Welcome to my nameless podcast that is devoted mostly to geeky things. I'm your host, Tom Wade, and the goal of this podcast is to talk about the things we love. Movies, comic books, books, TV shows, music. And hopefully in each episode we can share in a topic or two uh, the love of the things that bring us this joy. Welcome to the fourth episode of the podcast. The uh, real format is going to start playing out here as I never intended to do just a ranking podcast. That was not ever the purpose. That was more just kind of me having a starter set of topics, uh, something to talk about uh, as I kind of was feeling my way around this this whole idea of a podcast. And so what I'd like to talk about first is Amazon recently released the uh, Audible series, The Sandman. And it is a recreation of Neil Gaiman's Sandman series in audio format. And it, it's interesting because it's not what I think of when I think of an audiobook, even though it's technically through their audiobook division, it really feels more like radio plays. Uh, and, and it brings you in. Uh, the series covers the first 20 or so issues. They do play around with, um, with order. So it's not an exact this issue, this issue, you know, like issues one, two, three, four. Uh, they end it on a Midsummer Night's Dream, which was actually before uh, Facade um, in the comics. But in the radio play, they ended on a Midsummer Night's Dream. And I get why they chose to end it that way. It's kind of a perfect closure to the 10 hours that you've listened to, to, to close on this whimsical fairy story. So I think I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Let's back up for a moment. The Sandman comic book series uh, was created by Neil Gaiman, uh, along with the art team of Sam Keith, Mike Dringenberg, uh, and Malcolm Jones III, as well as uh, creative input from cover artist Dave McKeon. This, the comic focuses on Dream, the uh, Lord of Dreams, and his uh, family of the Endless. They're sort of godlike beings uh, that kind of comprise what it is to be human. They represent different aspects of the human continuum. So there's destruction, desire, uh, despair, delirium. Uh, You'll notice a theme of <laughs> that makes them seem like a not so thrilling, wonderful group. There's also Destiny and then Dream, our main character of the series, and his common companion, his sister, Death. And so 
the story tells us how decades ago, a uh, necromancer was attempting to capture death so he could become immortal. Uh, his spell goes wrong and he captures Dream, the Lord of Dreams, Morpheus. And Morpheus is trapped as they take all his powers and vestiges, his helmet and his bag of sand and an amulet he's wearing. And they leave him trapped in the basement for years and years with no strength to escape. And this, of course, causes a backlash, an effect on our, our world where people don't dream. And some people get trapped in dreams and never wake. And so he does eventually escape. And what follows is Neil Gaiman telling us how he has to track down his amulet, his bag of sand, his uh, mystical helmet. All these things are have been lost through the years as people sold them off and gave them away uh, in to barter for things they wanted, whether it be protection or uh, power. And what resulted from that was a series that went on for years, uh, telling sometimes stories where Dream was kind of the side character. Sometimes Dream was the main character. And I just found myself really wrapped up in game and storytelling. But of course, that series came to an end well over a couple of decades ago. And I haven't hadn't really followed up anything recently some of the revivals that occurred I, I didn't make that effort now they have announced a netflix series which i am curious to see but at the same time uh they also released this audio basically what are audio plays uh there you know there's sound effects uh music it, it, it's a grand cast. It is, I mean, you've got James McAvoy as Dream. Uh, his sister, Death, is the voice of Kat Dennings. Taryn Egerton turns in a good performance as John Constantine. Michael Sheen is Lucifer. Uh, Riz Ahmed is the Corinthian. And, you know, Andy Serkis is Matthew the Raven. It, 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 there's a lot of really familiar voices, and yet, at the same time, they really become these characters. I found myself really, as I started listening, almost instantly was drawn in. This is an excellent 10 hours. They really know what they were doing. Neil Gaiman is the narrator of the story. And I really, he, he's got a good voice for this kind of storytelling. It, it feels like you're there with the author. And one of the things going in that I kind of wondered was how much do I really remember? I mean, there are scenes that stick with me, stuff that uh, visually, I, I just, the, the look of dream has always been iconic and it's burned into my memory. And there are characters that I recall, but I wasn't sure if I really remembered 
where their stories fell. And what, and, and part of that, part of that is I have not read the series since, oh, probably at the most recent over 20 years ago, 25 maybe even. I read it back when it first was being released in uh, trade paperback formats because I missed the first couple of issues. I remember Death's story, but I don't remember that much about the introduction. And I'll get into that here shortly. But what I did find interesting was as I was listening, things were coming back and I was seeing things through the eyes of art, you know, of the artwork. I, I could suddenly just, those things were vividly there. And so there were surprises that really kind of hit me because I had forgotten the majority. I remembered basic things like, I mean, I remembered the serial convention. But boy, was it really kind of brought back to life. I know the Corinthian. So I remember aspects, but just these 20 stories that they have done are so well performed. I wasn't sure at the start how I felt about Kat Denning's take on death. I had forgotten how much that character was meant to kind of be a teen girl. And so... Her, her approach of kind of being giggly seemed out of place to me because I had this different mental memory of the character. But as time went on, it, it I realized how important and integral that could be to the character. But the thing is, is as I listened to the sound of her wings, I was actually driving and I had... It, I, I was... My grandmother had died shortly before I had heard the story. And it really took on a new meaning, a new inspiration. I, it's hard to, hard to pinpoint, but there was just something so beautiful about this mythology that Gaiman had created that felt every bit as meaningful as anything I had gotten through church or anything else. It just really hit me. And it was, it was a pretty overwhelming emotional moment as I was driving. Now, I like all the stories that appear in this volume, but really my, along with the, the, the introduction of death, I think my favorite story is a hope in hell. And that's the story where Dream finds out that his, his mystical helmet is being held by someone who lives in hell, uh, a demon, a minor demon. And he must go in to retrieve it. And, and in his weakened state, the citizens of hell are a lot less fearful of him. And it culminates in this this battle in which they must fight where, where they must fight each other in a war of wits and the, this demon and dream must 
basically defeat each other by the by by metaphor. I guess is a good way to put it. Um, but it culminates in Morpheus asking what power hell really has if people cannot dream of heaven. And it's such a great moment uh, in that series. The time actually flew by pretty quickly listening to these. Uh, I didn't find myself getting bored in the stories. The performances, again, are wonderful. Uh, I really do feel like what we got here is a nice little new take on the series. It, it, it might There are some moments that will be uncomfortable because it does, you know, there's some things that Neil Gaiman himself admits were kind of outdated in thoughts about um, certain, certain things related to, you know, the LGBTQ community, um, certain stereotypes. But Gaiman actually said the reason they didn't update it for this was because they were just going straight forward with the adaption. Uh, the Netflix series will update things uh, in how they tell certain stories, how they introduce certain characters and so on. I really am looking forward to seeing how they update the the series. But here it just kind of works. And there are some really horrific moments in general that with the sound effects and everything make it that much more gruesome. Um, that my, the, the more squeamish might struggle with some of that. But for the most part, I think if you read the series years ago, it's a great way to revisit it. It, it actually made me want to break out uh, my trades and read through the series again, uh, and which I think I might have to do here. Uh, I, I might. Uh, I don't know if that'll be an episode, but it definitely is something just for myself, for my own enjoyment. I kind of feel like I really would like to revisit it because the one thing the audio series doesn't fully give you is the art, and the art flows in a different way. Um, I really would recommend the the Sandman Audible series. I think it's uh, it, it's an excellent production. It's very very easy to get into and follow. Uh, just a terrific terrific uh, product. I I had a great time listening to it. And that's my thoughts on the audio production of The Sandman from Amazon and Neil Gaiman. It is a great listen. I highly recommend it. Um, it was so engaging and kept me kept me listening. If I hit a point where I had to stop for some reason, I kind of hated to. <laughs> but the nice thing is also that they do break it down by issues, so they're about half hour, 40 minutes in length on average. And that does allow you to have good stopping points. And they treat it like an audio play where there's a distinct beginning and end of each episode. And I really found that kind of appreciative. It made it easier when figuring out where do I stop. And so my hope is that this is successful enough and that they do continue the series. I, I mean, we get the first 20 issues here. I'd 
like to see them go through and maybe they can do 20 issues a piece uh, and get through the series in a couple more volumes. So the second thing I'm going to talk about this week is what has been a really enjoyable TV series for me, and that is The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian, of course, is now on its second season on Disney+. Plus. We're currently two episodes in at the time I'm recording this, uh, and I enjoyed those two episodes quite a bit. So I feel I need to preface this, though. See... I enjoy The Mandalorian a lot, and I think it feels like Star Wars, but I am not one of those people who feels like this is the first thing in a long time that feels like Star Wars. Disney hasn't been failing me. I I like all the Disney movies in the Star Wars canon to varying degrees. There's not one I hated. It's kind of like the Marvel movies. I don't hate any Marvel movie. Uh, There's just some that I like more than others. Just some of the fun little stuff that they do where it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a fun callback. Oh, hey, yeah, those guys. It feels like they're doing something here. And I that builds upon that world. And I, I think that's great. That is a lot of fun. And of course, I think one of the things that made me happy with The Mandalorian is it wasn't about Boba Fett. I think Boba Fett is one of the most overrated aspects of Star Wars. Uh, in particular, I, I, I'm i not saying I don't like the look. I think Boba Fett has an iconic look, but Boba Fett is a character that didn't do anything, and yet people got... Uh, they just instantly put him in to badass category, great character. And I, I, what about him? We don't see him in, uh, outside of the special edition, all we see him do in the first film, if you go by the special edition, is walk on screen. The second film, he lets Darth Vader do all the work for him and then he flies off. And in the third film, I do really like The Mandalorian. I think it's fun. I, I think one of the things about The Mandalorian that stands out is it's not focused on Jedi too much. I mean, the child is clearly using force powers, but largely th- this isn't about Luke Skywalker. This isn't about the the rise the return of the jedi so to speak <laughs> um the this is one where it's it, it's outlaw and and that's something that for star wars the old west marries into star wars pretty darn well it gives you a lot of freedom and having him episodically jumping around i liked how they built up in the first season kind of a crew without having a uh, forced, you know, it never felt like it was being too forced. We just kept getting introduced to people that could participate and be a part of things. And there were just, there were a lot of great episodes. Even the weakest episodes still had things that I thought were interesting in the first season. He, he, He gets taken out because by a blind Han Solo who accidentally smashes his jetpack. Whoopee. 
Uh, so when early talks of a Boba Fett movie were going around, I was like, oh, I, I that that was the first time where I was just like, really, I don't want a Boba Fett movie. Although I do have a theory, and I I might uh, before we finish here tonight, um, I might actually bring that theory up. But I was really pleased that the Mandalorian was an entirely new character. It's so, and, and, and I think they did, did use that to great effect. And even now we know that Boba Fett is playing a role, how they did it in the first episode, how they re- referenced the character. I will say I, I was both very happy because they subverted the expectation and then I'm not sure how I feel about what they've done the way that they ended that episode, but I'm not going to say more because it's too early. Uh, I don't want to spoil that for you. It's, it's a great series. And so if you've got Disney plus Disney plus, isn't that expensive folks. Uh, But if you've got Disney plus and you haven't watched it, I think you should, if you're any, have any kind of love for star Wars. I think that the approach that they took was very smart and clever. Uh, The characters, as they were building them up so that they could eventually bring them back for the finale of the season, very effective. Also, one of the things I love is that they don't pack too many episodes into a season. This, they, they, they keep the seasons short so far, and that's what I want to see. Eight to ten episodes is more than enough to give a great season. I don't want 20 episodes of The Mandalorian, because I'm going to be really honest. I think, I, I, I think the team is really solid for, you know, eight to ten episodes, but I don't know if they could do like a 20-episode season. I don't really feel like, I mean, we're already getting filler episodes. We're just lucky that the filler episodes have been okay or great, you know? (laughs) But I just, I I do feel like this has been a solid follow-up. I like that it's set shortly after Return of the Jedi, like I think about three years. And what's interesting to me is that apparently there are some people who are bothered by this as if, Empire should have brought in this shining new era. And I don't think that's realistic. And I don't think that's particularly good storytelling either. I think I think the idea that there aren't parts of the Empire still trying to maintain control seems unrealistic uh, in storytelling. It just doesn't make any sense to me that the Empire isn't still kind of there. I, I think that it... It adds an air of historical plausibility that it's an effort. And especially on a galactic level, you got to believe there are parts of the empire that are running planets still because they can, because the rebels that took over the new Republic coming up doesn't have that same power to be able to oversee everything. And they've kind of established that, that they've got these, you know, they've they've got people out patrolling, but it's not a perfect system. 
So I really think The Mandalorian has been a great series. I want to see more. Uh, I'm looking forward to every episode. I also would like to say I think that Disney has been incredibly smart to not just drop a season on us. Don't drop seasons on us, Disney Plus. Make us wait a week. I think that's I think that's just a smarter way to do it because I can tell you something. I'm not talking about stuff that I binged in a day. I still need to finish the boys. I need to get caught up on the boys. Um, but again, there Amazon released episodes weekly uh, for the second season, and I I just think that for binging, I, I get. How, we got kind of conditioned to binge, but it feels like when we binge series, they fall out of the limelight a lot quicker. And that's that's kind of sad. I love the fact that people are talking about The Mandalorian every week. And so there you go. That's two things that I love uh, that I would recommend. The Sandman audio series from Amazon and The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. This will probably be our format. I am working on trying to get some stuff worked out here so that maybe it's not just having to sit and listen to me for, for you know, 25, 30 minutes. Uh, thanks for putting up with me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Again, I am Tom Wade, and I can be found on Instagram and Twitter under at Tom Wade. That is at T-H-O-M, as in map, W-A-D, as in delta, E. And until next time, Take a moment for yourself to relax with something that brings you joy. A story, a song, some art. Maybe take several.